Hey, this is John Tesh, host of Intelligence for Your Life, and you're listening to my good buddy, Dan Miller. You know, finding your purpose and passion is the first step to living out intelligence in your own life. 48 days can show you the way. Now, back to Dan. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to be taking care of business today. we got a lot to cover. We're going to be talking about what keeps people motivated in jobs that stink. What do you think? Are you trapped in something where you're not thrilled about the job? Well, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Hey, our kind sponsor today is Audible.com, where they have, as you know, more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word auto, audio products. You can get a free audiobook of your choice, and I'll give you my suggestion here in just a little bit. But if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, you can get a free copy of a great book that I just discovered that is rocking my world. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Well, here's some questions we're going to look at. Is tipping demeaning or a reasonable reward? I sent out a question in last week's newsletter that, well, I actually sent out a piece that Joe's Crab Shack and a whole lot of other restaurants are going to discontinue tipping. Now, obviously, they're going to raise the price a little bit, but is that good for everybody involved? Got a whole lot of you that responded to that. We'll read through some of your comments. Dan, how often do you put your full goals list in front of you and focus on it? Great question right now, this time of year. I'll talk about that. I'd love to make a living creating and performing music, but I'm not seeing many ways to do that. Well, we're in a musical town here, just south of Nashville, Tennessee, where a whole lot of people would love to make their living creating and performing music. Are there some ways to do that? Yes, there are. Dan, what's the number one key to having a consistent good attitude about work, even when your job isn't naturally what you love to do? When working in a field that is somewhat repetitive, what keeps people motivated? What are the main reasons people find themselves in careers and jobs that they are unhappy doing? Well, a lot of great questions as always. Love hearing from you. If you get a question, just go to the 48days.com site. Click on Ask Dan, and you'll see an opportunity there to shoot your question into me. Or you can always just shoot it directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Just a direct email, which is what most of you do. Well, here's our quotation for today. It comes from James Whistler. Now, check this out. He said, an artist is not paid for his labor, but for his vision. Now, there's a whole lot of things that can fall into that category, not just putting paint on a canvas, but you are an artist, no matter what it is that you do, what you do is your art. If you're washing windows or mowing grass or cleaning dishes or preparing food, you know, you're all having the opportunity to display your art. Are you just being paid for your labor or for your vision? You know, last weekend, Joanne was in an art show. Pretty fancy schmancy kind of event here in Brentwood, Tennessee. Anyway, you had to be invited there and you had to audition those kind of things. But anyway, she was there with a lot of other competent artists. There were about 40 artists altogether. 
But it's interesting as you walk through looking at art, when you look at the product cost, you know, there may be five or six bucks involved, a little bit of canvas, a little bit of paint. How do you charge a thousand dollars for something? And what's the difference between a $300 painting and a $3,000 painting? You know, what is it that distinguishes that makes art worth more? Well, there's a whole lot of factors there, and I'm certainly not an expert, but I love this quotation. An artist is not paid for his labor, but for his vision. You know, sometimes people look at what it is they do and they think, well, my materials cost me $10. And if I want to make $20 an hour, you know, then I need to get you know, $90 for this project that I just did. Well, be careful on that. If you're just calculating hours and materials, you're never going to get ahead. You're going to be stuck in pretty low levels of compensation, but it's when you're paid for your vision, your expertise. I mean, I promoted, well, I talked to a realtor one time, this has been years ago, but he wanted me to come in and do my leadership development seminar that I'd been doing for companies. I did that for, you know, General Electric and Deutsche Bank and a lot of other organizations like that. It was a three hour workshop and I charged $3,500 for it. Well, I talked to this realtor and he said, you know, he wanted me to come do this workshop. He had been hearing so much about, you know, how much was it? And I said, it's $3,500. And he was like, you gotta be kidding me. That's over a thousand dollars an hour. You know, nobody I know makes that kind of money. I said, wow. You're not paying me for three hours of work. You're paying me for the 20 years I've invested in learning the principles to help your people be more successful. Don't get trapped in just being paid for your labor. Well, a lot of you are asking about being a facilitator for the new 48 day seminar. We love your inquiries. Uh, Terry Hathaway is heading up all of that. He's got a wonderful online training program. Uh, it's just short. It's about 30 minutes. I love it, love it, love it. It's, it's not something lengthy that's going to eat up a week of your time. It's about 30 minutes. But to let you know what we expect, what it is you need to know, is it a good fit for you? But we'd love to talk to you about that. And yes, do we expect people to make money? Yeah, go check out in the 48days.net community a blog post that Terry Hadaway put up on how you make money doing the 48 day seminars. We expect people to make a lot of money doing that. And we're delighted to see, see them doing exactly that. But you can start that process to get information. Just go to 48 days.com slash acres, A C R E S. And it'll put you in the loop. You'll get information from Terry and see what we're looking for in facilitators in that. Well, let me move on here. Let's go to a couple of success stories. And then I got a whole lot of you who commented on that issue about should people get tips or not? I'm eager to share that. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I shared a note from Daniel Goldack, who said a longtime listener, he said he created a poster with a quote that I refer to often, the master in the art of living, you know, can't tell the difference between work and play. That one by James Mishner. And he said he put it up for sale. He's, it can be found at purposefulprints.com. But he did one for me, sent it to me. Daniel, thank you so much. It's beautifully done. And we're going to, I already gave it to Joanne. She's going to have it framed. She knows she gets lots of things framed because of her artwork. And she's going to get it framed so we can hang it here in the sanctuary as a constant reminder. But thank you so much for that. 
Now, this comes from Justin. Now, uh, this is a sequential email here because seven days ago, I got a note from Justin. He said, each week I hear the questions on the podcast. I've sent in quite a few of my own, which you've read. Thank you for that. But deep down, I've been waiting to be on the victories list for a while now. I want to have We Are the Champions played after my story. My victory is this. Keep in mind, it's still an incomplete victory, but a victory nonetheless, and you'll see why. Now listen to this story. I work part-time four nights a week at Domino's delivering pizzas. I also work for the state in the food stamp office. What started as a one-year goal to follow Dave Ramsey's plan to pay off debt has now turned into a three-and-a-half-year journey to just make ends meet. I miss my wife and three kids, and in January, we have yet one final baby girl on the way. I'm 37 years old, feeling the pains of a midlife crisis coming on. I've known for a while that I will need a better paying job and decided on sales and marketing because I know I'd be compensated much better than I am now in social services. Okay, through this, I've grown to love marketing. I've been listening to the podcast, I Love Marketing, with Dean Jackson and Joe Polish, and also the 10X Talk with Dan Sullivan and Joe Polish. Incidentally, those are two that I listen to every time as well. He says, what would bore others to tears listening to two guys drone on about marketing actually keeps my attention the entire time. So I decided to search some local companies to stay in that internet marketing field. Working at Domino's one night, I met a guy with the Angie's List logo on his jacket. Come to find out he was the 25th hire for Angie's List here in Indianapolis, which is now in the thousands as far as employees are hired. So he has some pull before I knew who he was though. We chatted about my desire to get into sales and marketing with a local tech company. At the end of the conversation, he gave me his card and told me about a, a a sales position. They were starting soon. He told me to use his name as a reference when applying. So of course I went online, applied for the position interviewed and am still waiting a response. My ultimate victory in this story is to show people the power of networking, the power of striking up a conversation with someone when you find a common interest. But on top of that, the biggest victory of all was that this was by far the best interview I've ever had. I had a response to every question. I was ready with rapid fire responses. And afterward, I was on cloud nine. My mindset at this moment is that whether or not I get hired in an NG's list, I now have the confidence to go to any of these other tech companies and just rock the interview. Okay, that was seven days ago. So, Justin had done the networking. He had gotten his mindset right by listening to Positive Podcast, knew that he would have an opportunity to make more money if he got into a, a sales and marketing position, and ran into somebody, just one of those happenstance intersections in life, but took the opportunity to talk to the guy had the guy say he could use him as a reference. So he had done it. That was it. So I responded immediately. I said, very cool, Justin, with your mindset, opportunities are sure to keep showing up. That's just how it works. When you prepare for and expect success, it can't help but come into view. Congratulations on being on that path. That was my note to Justin seven days ago. Hmm. Two days later, I know from Justin update. I got the job and it's a $10,000 increase annually from my current position with the state plus monthly team and bonuses. Well, you know what? We're going to bring this up right now. You ask for it, Justin, you're in the group. Congratulations. You know, I don't want to do, I'm not going to do that version this week. Let's go to this one. 
Last week we had a version of We Are the Champions with a guy blowing a trumpet and shooting a gun. Cool thing. We'll go to the traditional queen version here. Congratulations, Justin. And also to Daniel for what you're doing with your posters. Love to hear these stories. Congratulations on taking action, getting the mindset right, interviewing, knocking it out of the park. Guess what? New opportunity just waiting for you there. All you had to do was raise your hand. Now, in last week's newsletter, I put a note in there just under news you can use that some major restaurants like Joe's Crab Shack are starting to raise prices, but eliminate tipping. And I said, do you think this will benefit the workers or reduce what they're used to? Now, think about that for a minute. I mean, we're so conditioned and it's kind of a cultural thing. It's not true in every country, but in America, we're used to tipping waitstaff in places that we eat. Now, when you think about it, it, it is it's kind of an antiquated practice in some ways because we're expected to leave at least 10%, even if the person brought cold food, you know, with a roach sitting on top of it, you know, and cussed at us on their way back to the kitchen. I mean, it, it's tipping is supposed to be a reward for great service. Now, really tipping we've kind of turned it around anyway. It's a kind of after the fact, and then you decide how good a job the person did. So if you tip 10% or 15 or 20 or whatever, but really tip is an acronym T I P. It means to ensure promptness. In its original application, you would tip in advance to ensure promptness. Now, we don't do it in that way when it comes to waitstaff in a restaurant anymore. But there are a, one of the reasons that restaurants are removing that is because most people at this point tip on their credit card or debit card. They're not leaving cash. So it complicates things financially to figure things out. So there are some major restaurants that are moving away from that. Here's what the CEO of Joe's Crab Shack said servers, host bartenders are paid now higher fixed hourly wages. It's expected to result in an improved team atmosphere, a significant reduction in turnover and greater financial security for the employees. Employers, employees who were once paid around $2 an hour plus tips will now be paid at least $12 an hour. Experienced staff stand to make even more. The wage gap is one of several issues cited by restaurateurs who have decided to delete the tip line from checks. Some believe it's unfair for servers pay to be affected by their race and age, their customers' moods, the weather, and other factors that have nothing to do with performance. Well, Scott Rosenberg, who's owner of Sushi Yashuda in Manhattan, New York, said in an interview that he had eliminated tipping so the restaurant could more closely follow the customs of Japan where tipping is rare. He said he hoped his customers would enjoy leaving the table without having to solve a math problem. Okay. I didn't lay out all that information, but I just said the other eliminated tipping. Do you think that's going to be good or bad? Here are some of the responses from you, the listeners. Tim says, I like tipping and I'll go to 40% for exceptional service. If the prices are out of line, I can go somewhere else. If I do stay, I will tip. Doug says, with regard to your comment about Joe's Crab Shack, I believe this practice will hurt 
the outstanding service providers while rewarding the poor service providers. When you eliminate the reward for providing outstanding service, you reduce the field to mediocrity. In the long run, I believe that it'll hurt restaurants like Joe's Crab Shack due to the fact that the level of service expected by customers will decrease to the point that customers take their business elsewhere. Even now, I will not go to a restaurant with a large party that charges an automatic gratuity for large parties for the same reason. That's what Doug has to say. Ron says, bad idea. Socialized tipping. The excellent ones on the wait staff will have no incentive to perform better than their peers. I anticipate service going down and Joe's suffering in the long run, if not immediately. Um, I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure you've seen waiters that make far more than the poor, good waiters make more than the poor ones. And I enjoy tipping more for good service. Terrence says it's the slow slog of socialism creeping into the food business. I'd be upset if I were a waiter or waitress. If Joe's Crab Shack has just put a ceiling, Joe's Crab Shack has just put a ceiling on my income while removing any incentive to perform above expectations. Let my customer decide what I'm worth. Then I can provide exceptional service and make an exceptional income. Gary says, uh, hard to say, I've always felt that having to receive tips is demeaning and having worked in a restaurant before myself, I don't have a lot of good things to say about the national restaurant association. These servers work for the restaurant as well as the customers. A good wait staff is an asset for a restaurant. I think I admit, um, I, I think restaurants do exploit workers. Randy says, I think that would work well in my area where there are many tourists from South America. They're not used to tipping and therefore do not tip. Now that that's true in other countries. I mean, in Japan, they're not used to, to tipping. And so they come here and they see that extra line. They don't know what it is. They just mark through it and pay the bill as they received it. This comes, um, let's see. Uh, Sherry says, I think this is bad for the workers and bad for Joe's crab shack. My family tips according to a base Percentage and then extra depending on the service. Workers should not be penalized because the establishment is raising prices. This is a bad idea for the restaurant because experienced and skilled staff will not stay if this turns out to be a decrease in their income. Now, when you think about the variety of places that are out here, I mean, a, a place that if you go to Waffle House, you know, your entire bill is going to be eight bucks for two people or something. You know, the tips are going to be pretty low. I mean, obviously, if somebody tips 10%, that's 80 cents. Where you may go to another place, you get a Ruth Chris for a meal, your bill may be $50 for two of you. Just even a 10% tip is going to be five bucks. And typically in places like that, people are going to tip more on the 20% range, which would be 10 bucks. So you're talking about 10 times as much more than that tip just because of a different place that you happen to be working. And well, let me read a couple more here. I think it's a very bad idea with that type of restaurant to have a wage that high and no tipping. The server will not care about their customers and service will decline. Lauren says raising prices and eliminating tipping implies that the business is compensating the wait staff for the tips. But this brings about a slew of problems. If the business controls the tip what they have they have to by law have a defined system to avoid discrimination 
So other challenges there. Do you want to wait person that knows exactly what they'll get for their service to you, regardless of their effort, kindness, efficiency, friendliness, and appearance? Let's see, your waiter, waitress, walks up to you in a dirty, rumpled uniform, a scowl on his face, and asks, what do you want? He then becomes impatient because you can't decide in the 30 seconds he has graciously allowed you, so you ask for a few minutes, whatever, and he slops away. When you've decided on your order, he's nowhere to be seen. Eventually, you see, you, you peek around the corner and flag him down. He, he takes your order, describes the options of sides in a monotone, mon, 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 and slides back to the kitchen. The meal arrives without the extra plate and hot sauce you requested. Upon your inquiry about this, he says, oh, yeah, I'll bring them when I come by with the check for the next table. I don't want this. Where's the quick service? Kind smile, attention to detail, and suggestions or compliments on certain items that get the wait person a higher tip and add, adds to your enjoyment of the meal and facility. Yes, I would hope that such behavior as I described would lead to the extension of the freedom to explore other opportunities. However, it would have already caused damage to the business and possible recommendations from you. We've seen this mentality of leveling the playing field over and over, and it never fosters growth and initiative in people. This would allow the wait staff to have more stable income. It would raise the income of the less competent and lower that of the excellent. Without the lure of better tips, there's usually no drive to do more than the next person. Well, on and on and on. Glenn says, no tipping. I guess there'll be no incentive in giving excellent customer service and distinguishing yourself among other employees in earning a little extra tips. Not a good idea. I can only surmise that future service will go down and it'll have rippling effects. That's my best guess. Now think about this for a minute. We're talking specifically about food, weight, staff, and we're very accustomed to the structure there. You know, this is one of those things where, um, (laughs) where we get used to a system and with anything that disrupts that we're going to scream and shout. I mean, it's like when they were dealing with one and a half million pounds of horse manure every day in New York and Henry Ford came along with cars. They screamed and shouted, we don't want those noisy things in our town. What would you rather have, you know, all the horse manure to deal with or have the cars putting around? Obviously, at this point, we would think that's pretty stupid to have beg for horses to be there rather than cars. Well, anything where there's a disruption is going to get an outcry. But this merits looking at. I mean, there are other things that are doing away with incentives. Now, I I love the car business. You've heard me talk about that. Most car salesmen are on commission. Personally, I think that's a good system. But there are a lot of car companies like Saturn. Of course, they didn't survive. Maybe that's partly why they did away with commissions where the salespeople were just paid a flat salary. I think the incentive to do a great job. I mean, if somebody is a waitress, the fact that they're on incentive for getting a tip, I mean, they don't get paid specifically for asking you if you want a piece of pie at the end of your meal. But in essence, they do. If you're paying a percentage of the total bill, I mean, I like a waitress that suggests things and gives you other ideas. But what about other service people? Do you tip a plumber, an electrician? What about your housekeeper? What about the guys who mow your yard? 
What about a truck driver who delivers something to you? Would you consider tipping them? Believe me, if you give them a tip, they aren't going to say, oh, no, that's not what we do here. They're going to thank you for it. And you're going to stand out as an excellent customer that where they want to give you good service. My goodness. I mean, my yard guys. I mean, I get a monthly bill from the guy who owns a company. Does that keep me from giving cash tips to the guys when they finish around here? Now, I don't do it every week. I don't catch them every week. But periodically to just go out and just give them, you know, each a $20 tip because I really appreciate the extra care they go to on my property. Do you think everybody gets that kind of extra care? No, I think it's pretty easy to make me, make me stand out as somebody they want to give good service to. And I think it's true with other professionals as well. Now, what about in it when you stay in a hotel? You know, a lot of people ignore that. They think, well, I'm going to pay my bill. Well, those people who come in and clean your room, they aren't paid very well. It's expected that you're going to leave a tip there as well. I know there've been times when we've been with other people and as we're getting ready to leave, you know, I leave a tip and they're like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Well, that's, that's an area that's a little grayer, I think. You know, what about your massage therapist? What about your hairdresser, the gal who does your nails? And there's some people that do, some that don't in those kind of industries. Well, it's going to be an ongoing issue. I, I don't have a definitive answer. Uh, I think it's a good incentive system to have people get tips personally. Yeah, I want to see them do well and be rewarded for doing an excellent job. So I'm certainly not a, not a big fan of it, but um, it, we're seeing some changes. And certainly those are without out, outside of my control and probably yours as well. But thanks so much for your input on that. Just an interesting question to pose as we see changes in the workplace here. Well, let me give you a re- recommendation for a book that I want you to listen to. Now, somebody recommended this. It was one of our coaches recommended to me the book, The Dream Manager. It's not a brand new book. It's been a while, around a couple years. Well, actually, it's been around since 2011. So four or five years now. The Dream Manager. I read it and I could not put it down. Now, here's the concept. And I'm going to tell you how you can get a free copy of the audio. and Just listen to it. It'll rock your world. It doesn't matter if you're a mom, a dad, or if you have your own business, or if you're an employer, or if you're an employee. It doesn't, doesn't matter. The idea is, what about the people that you work with or specifically people who work for you? What if you asked them what their dreams are and showed an interest in that in addition to paying them well, but ask them, what are your dreams? I've been experimenting with this just this week as we get ready to go into the new year. Of course, this is a a hot time for me and hopefully for you as well in setting goals, knowing clearly what you want 2016 to look like. But I've been asking people who are part of our team, what are your dreams for next year? Now, some of the people that we have, I mean, most of the people we have are independent contractors. So I'm one customer of maybe four or five of them. Some varies, but so it's not like they're a captive employee even, but I've been asking those people who are service providers, what are your dreams for next year? How can I help you really hit the goals you've set? Well, the response has been phenomenal. I mean, the response, again, what an easy way to 
connect with these people in a special way that they probably have never experienced with other customers. But anyway, the book is The Dream Manager. I want you to go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and get a copy of The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. It walks through, it's put together as kind of a, you know, kind of a metaphor, kind of a fictional story about somebody who did exactly that. I'm sure there's a lot of truth from real life situations woven in there. And he talks about that at the end of the book, but about a company, it was a cleaning service. So just a janitorial service. And they had immense turnover people that would stay an average of 90 days and they're gone, which is pretty true in that kind of a business. They brought in a dream manager, a person who was assigned that role to help people, help people buy a house for the first time, to go back to school and get help with their tuition. You know, just to understand specific needs that the person had and how to help them. Well, their turnover dropped precipitously. People stayed, you know, for one year, three years, five years in an industry where turnover is rampant because they had a dream manager. It's a very inspiring read. I'm going to get it for all of our uh, coaching our master coaches going to get it for all of them. But again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Get your free copy. If you aren't yet a member of audible of the dream manager, achieve results beyond your dreams by helping your employees fulfill theirs. Great, great read. I love it when I find a book that's been around for a while. that really ties into areas of interest of mine. Um, and it's like, Oh my gosh, why didn't I know about this before? Well, here, let's go to some questions. Mary Catherine says, how often do you put your full goals list in front of you and focus on it? I listened to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and his advice to write out your one desire and read it aloud twice a day. Great advice. But I'm wondering about all the other goals I write out. How often do you look at your big goals list and read it aloud? Well, Mary Catherine, thanks for your question. I remember when you were here for Right to the Bank a few years back. And I know you've been working on your writing and doing a great job there. I look at my goals a lot. Now I have goals in seven different areas of life, but I want those to be fresh on my mind. I keep those where I'm going to see them at least once a day. They're that important and that ready for me to see. So it's not something I do the first of the year, put it in a drawer somewhere and then run across it you know, years later, you know, this year going through my goals, I was reviewing some of the goals I have set like back in 2010, 2011, 2012. Well, one, one of the things that jumped out at me, I had a goal to have a sculpt, a sculpture done by the internationally acclaimed sculptor, Scott Stearman. I saw that on there and I thought, I don't even remember the sequence of events about how things came together where ultimately I became a friend of Scott Stearman's. He came here to the sanctuary, spent a weekend here at one of our innovate events, did the rough sculpting of the Eagle, the personalized original 48 days Eagle that we have here in front of the sanctuary now. But I mean, that whole thing came together and I'm, I never dreamed that I would have an original of his. I just wanted a, a replica of something that he had done. And yet putting that down on paper that I wanted a sculpture by Scott Stearman somehow put a chain of events 
into place. And now we have an absolute original where we're selling replicas of Athena, the eagle that's in front of our office here, just coming off a branch, wings fully extended, momentum is too far forward to stay on the branch. It conveys everything that is my life message. Dream, plan, act. Dream, but then create a plan, get in the game. Don't stay on the branch, get in the game. Anyway, it just reminds me of how powerful the process has been in my own life of setting goals. So yeah, I have them where I'm going to see them at least once a day. They're that readily available for me to be reminded of goals in multiple areas. Now, are there goals that I work on specifically? Yeah, there may be career goals that I work on specifically for a a couple of weeks at a time, but then there may be a personal goal. Uh, Ben Franklin had 13 major goals that he worked on and he would work on those one a week. So 13, he would go through each of those four times in the course of a year. I mean, the Zig Ziglar system for setting goals, Uh, Stephen Covey system for setting goals. There's a whole lot of, in the Franklin planner, there's a whole lot of them out there. I mean, we have a free goal planning worksheet for you. Um, geez, I ought to remember we're working on that right now. I I'll have a new URL where you can go directly to that and get that and work through it yourself. But yeah, I'm going to see my goals at least once a day. Jennifer says, I want to create an online course for the state of Michigan assessors. They currently only allow four hour courses to be approved. I have 12 plus years of real estate experience and feel I, I could provide some quality entry-level assessor online courses related to the material they're approving. I have the guidelines approved or I have the guidelines provided by the state for approval, but don't know where to start with setting up an online website for the course. Any direction with the technical details would be helpful. Thanks for all you do. So on and so forth. I want to, I want to turn my information into Swiss dollars. I talk about Swiss dollars, S W I S S sales. while I sleep soundly. Yep. I love that model as well, Jennifer. Let me give you two quick names here because that's an area we've got some people on our team who are very experienced in getting course material online. I'll just, I'm just going to send you directly to them. They can give you the information that goes far beyond my knowledge in that area. Terry Hathaway, you've heard me talk about him. He's the one that's getting all of our course material up online. You can reach him. Just go to terry.com. Hadaway, H-A-D-A-W-A-Y at gmail.com. That's his personal email. If you're, again, if you want to see what we're doing with the facilitator content, you can just go to 48days.com slash acres and it'll put you right in that information stream so you can see the online course that he's developed for our facilitators. But he's doing the same thing with our seminars, with our disc training, with the coaching mastery training and a whole lot of other things as well. So Terry is one. The other one is Jeff Long. Jeff Long, you can find him at Jeff at truefocusmedia.com. Again, Jeff Long at Jeff at truefocusmedia.com. He, again, is a master, has a lot of experience in getting course material online. All right. Hey, just a quick reminder here with that music, reminder that you can send in a question. Would love to introduce it in for an upcoming podcast. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on Ask Dan. You can submit your question there. Or as you hear me mention again and again, you can just shoot an email to me directly at askdan at 48days.com.
This comes from Stan, who says, I'd love to make a living creating and performing music, but I'm not seeing many ways to do that outside of traditional avenues, like starting a band. One idea I have is doing instrumental music at things like cocktail parties or restaurants. What are some opportunities I could make of this? Well, yeah, there are, there are a whole lot of ways you can make money with music. I mean, I live in Franklin, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. So obviously we have thousands of people who come here who want to be musicians. And they're very, very talented musicians who end up living in cardboard boxes under bridges. We know that. I mean, just because you have the talent doesn't mean you're going to be successful. But look at people who have been successful. I mean, look at people like Luke Bryan or Taylor Swift. You know, what the kind of things that they've done. Started out writing songs for other people and then just showing up at the little dives around town. I mean, golly, I know people who have sung at taco joints, you know, on a Friday night outside you know, before the rain starts, you know, not ideal conditions, but they're just out there letting people hear their music, making connections, networking. And then like Luke Bryan and Taylor Swift, both, you know, ultimately started singing their own songs, creating an audience for that. You can do, I mean, you see the things like even Justin Bieber did online, built a massive audience before he ever got a record deal of any kind, or before he was ever doing concerts, just by doing stuff online that people like. So there's certainly ways that you can do that. But let me give you another real tangible example here of some musicians locally and what they did. Kirk and Debbie Dearman are friends of ours, and they have done worship music for years. If you remember the little worship song, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Anyway, they wrote that. Now, they get a lot of royalties from that, you know, as musicians should. But obviously, over time, that diminished. Uh, Nothing stays forever in that category. And they were looking for other things that they could do. And I said, you know, in as much as you guys are really committed to worship music, you ought to look for ways that leverage your music where you would be paid repeatedly, like you did with some of your early worship songs, but even if it's in more commercial space. Well, we had talked about that. We had had that conversation. Soon thereafter... Kirk and Debbie went to a funeral and at the funeral, the poem titled the dash was read. Now that's that beautiful poem. And it talks about what do you do with your dash? And that's that little line in between your birth date and your death, the dash. Well, Kirk immediately said, Oh my gosh, that ought to be put to music. And he came home and set it to music. Well, they did a little research and found out the author of the poem was not somebody that's been dead for 300 years. She's very much alive and well today. He contacted her. She'd already been in conversations with Mac Anderson at Successories. Well, actually, it's Simple Truths now, his company, Simple Truths. And they ended up doing a little gift book titled The Dash. So you can go to simpletruths.com and find the book titled The Dash. And in the back of that book, it goes through, you know, very colorful little story about the the poem. And in the back cover, you're going to see an audio CD and it's got the song on there that Kirk and Debbie did. So that every time that little book is sold and it's sold, you know, there are companies that buy those by the thousands for their employees and give them away as gifts. And that's the kind of business Simple Truths is. And every time one of those is sold, Kirk and Debbie get a royalty. I mean, those are the kind of things that you can look for. I mean, how could you connect your music with something that's being sold repeatedly? You know, whether that is in a CD form or an MP3, you know, link. I mean, 
And we, we could spend a lot of time there. There are a whole lot of ways, you know, that you can get creative about how you can leverage your music. Now, since you are a performer and are creating performing music, I mean, you could be a coach to others who want to be in that space. Chad Jeffers, who's a guitarist with Carrie Underwood, you know, a friend of ours here in Franklin. I mean, he's turned that into a really, really big area of what he's doing, coaching other people how to get into that, you know, how to make it in the music industry here in Nashville. He's written a book that he sells. He does personal coaching. Uh, he does critiques of people's music. He does sessions work where he integrates his music into what they're doing. So he's got a, a whole lot of robust, multiple streams of income in what he's done. And incidentally, you could talk to Chad. I mean, he's easy to find Chad Jeffers, find him on face, Facebook or just online. And he'd be glad to talk to you as well. Great guy. Melanie says, I'm writing to ask for your advice. I'm working as a teacher's aide. Now I love this question. I love this setup. I'm going to try to get through this one here because it's got a really interesting point for all of us. I'm working as a teacher's aide in a transitional kindergarten class. My background is in early child development. I have a two-year degree in what is called a child, children's center permit, which is kind of a credential. I have about 20 years of experience. Last year was a difficult year for me. I was having health issues, was not getting along with my coworkers. I found out a lot about myself and had to realize that some of the issues were my own fault. I'm a Christian and have a good support, good support from family and church. My question to you is this, do I stay in this field for the duration or quit and get retrained for another field at 53 years old? Thanks so much for your advice. Yes, I've read your book and I'm rereading it as well. Melanie. Well, Melanie, thanks for your question. Now, here, let me just frame this for you. You've presented your options as A or B. You stay in this job that you have in early childhood development, but there's it's a challenging environment, challenging culture for you with difficult coworkers. Or B, you can go get retrained in a new field at 53 years old. I'd like to present option C, and that is to stay in your field where you have training and experience, but look for a better job environment. I mean, there are plenty of places that would embrace what you bring to the table. So my advice to you is change jobs rather than taking on the difficult task of training in a new field. Hope that makes sense. Damar says, I'm a driver for Uber and Lyft. I was interested in the ebook you mentioned on a recent podcast, 20 ways to make money while driving for Uber. I've searched the website, but I've not been able to locate the ebook or the link for the ebook. Well, um, golly, let me give you the link. If you go to, well, just go to, just go to Amazon and search for Uberpreneur, 20 ways to make money on each ride. I mean, I downloaded it. It's 99 cents. If you download it or if you're a Kindle Prime, you can read it for free. But it's Uberpreneur, 20 ways to make money on each ride. And I love the kind of things that Lawrence Williams put in there because he's got a whole lot of ideas. I mean, you have a pretty captive audience if you're an Uber driver and you can, uh, you, know, you can sell them a whole lot of things. Incidentally, Uber is one of those where there's no tipping. I mean, we're always used to tipping cab drivers. I mean, certainly. But... Um, we don't tip Uber drivers. It's built into the model. I love that. I love the fact that you don't have to pull out a credit card or anything. Once you're, you've got the Uber app on your phone and Joanne and I use it a lot. And every place we go, you know, we're getting ready to go to Chicago. Wow. Well, as a matter of fact, we're, we're 
find at Fort Lauderdale, Uber. We just get an Uber driver. They show up. They know where you are. They show up immediately, take you to your destination, no tipping, and you get a nice car, a nice driver because he really is an entrepreneur. But it's, are there ways to make money in addition from your customers? Absolutely. So grab that little book. Ruth says, my response to your question, I, I had written a post recently. Is it harder to get to the top or to stay on the top? She says, back in October, 1988, I closed on the purchase of a townhouse. I was not making a lot of money working as a clerk at the courthouse, but I took on a second job, got roommates, lived frugally and paid off my townhouse townhouse within two years. Within days of getting out of debt, I wrecked my car. Thinking that I needed a new car, but not having much cash since I'd put so much into a townhouse, I got financed for the purchase of a car. I've never been debt-free since. Wow, ouch. So that would have been back in 1990. And she says, I think the same sort of thing plays out in people when it comes to weight loss. People can lose the weight, but once they lose it, they gain it back. And so she got out of debt, but then got back into debt and has never been out of debt since. Wow, tough, tough situation for sure look for ways that you can get out of debt certainly with a car oh my gosh i hate to people see people go into debt for a car i've never had a car payment in my life drive lovely cars have a lot of fun with them but it's just a mindset if you get into if you get out of the system and create your own system you can stay debt free certainly in that area and a whole lot more well this comes from blake who says when working in a field that is somewhat repetitive, what keeps people motivated? There are three things identified. And incidentally, this is another book you can go to audible.com and get for free. If you're not yet a member, you can go get a copy of drive by Daniel pink. So drive by Daniel pink, and you can go there and get that book. That'd be a wonderful one to get as well because the three things that keep people are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Think about those. If you want to keep people involved, allow them to have autonomy, mastery, and purpose. But again, if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, you can grab a copy of Daniel Pink's book, Drive, and it really unpacks that. What are the main reasons people find themselves in careers or jobs that they are unhappy doing? They haven't taken the time to look at themselves and identify their skills and abilities, personality traits, values, dreams, and passions. They get trapped with the money, but no passion, thinking that money would be enough. And it never is. Stuck in the J-O-B. All right. Well, you know that means we're at the end of our time here. Hey, remember our quotation for today from James Whistler? An artist is not paid for his labor, but for his vision. Hey, I want to encourage you to look for opportunities where you're paid not just for your labor, but for your vision. Wow. You get an opportunity to be paid for the years of experience, the insight, the creativity, the intuitiveness, the innovation that you have. That's where it really opens the door. There's a whole lot of people that can just do the labor. Boy, that kind of relates back to our question on tipping or no tipping. There's a whole lot of people that can carry a plate from the kitchen to the table, but it's totally different. If somebody brings a really contagious, pleasing personality, ask how your day is going, helps make suggestions for you on the menu. 
that's a whole lot different. Yeah, I think it ought to be rewarded. I think those characteristics ought to be rewarded. Hey, this will be a level playing field. If people want to just get a paycheck, if they want to be guaranteed 12 bucks an hour, they'll just work at those restaurants where they're guaranteeing them 12 bucks an hour. If you want to have a shot at making 200 bucks in an evening with tips, then you're going to go to a place that still rewards that work model. Hey, both are going to be available. You can find ways that reward what you uniquely bring to the table. Hey, thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. To make the future you are.